All right, welcome to episode 66 of the At Bad Podcast presented by War Media, where we give you our thoughts on the latest Chicago baseball news, as well as take a trip around the league. I am Saul Rodriguez, joined by my co-hosts today, Gabe Wilkins and Miles Porter. How we doing, guys? How we doing, Gabe? Can't complain, man. It's always beautiful and a pleasure to, you know, talk about baseball. A lot of big-time news done broke around the league, particularly out of a, a major market where they have let it be known that it is levels to success and that they are not satisfied with where they currently are as a franchise, even if their minor league system is on the upswing. Yeah. And then you're, I know you're talking about the Heim Bloom firing and the Red Sox, and we'll get to that for sure when we talk, get, you know, go around the league. Um, but yeah, we plenty of stuff to talk about today as always with the Cubs and the White Sox, but Miles, how you doing, man? Doing good. Doing good. Lots of lots. There's a lot to talk about in the baseball world right now with Yankees Red Sox Yankees losing prospects to, to, to injuries so much yeah. so much to touch on here man so I'm, I'm excited to get into it yeah and, and you're in a full offseason mode right Miles with the with the Milwaukee with the Milwaukee Jaguars you're in full offseason mode now right yeah you know <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely enjoying the offseason but uh I ramp it up again this weekend and start my hitting drills oh, bet. we're just we're just going straight through up until 2024. So excited Hell yeah. to no, it, get it going. I sit down for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Grind don't stop, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's been nice though. It's been nice being able to spend time with my girlfriend on the weekends. And, uh yeah. So but I'm ready. Little, I'm definitely ready to, to get it going again too. Hell yeah. A little a little break never hurt nobody. So that's good. Hey, at least you get yeah. back into it then. At least you get back into it this weekend. So that's good to hear. Uh, so we'll we'll start things off, of course, like we always do in Chicago and and you know on the north side, you know the Cubs sitting at seventy eight and sixty nine just had a rough little bit of a, a few days with a couple back to back series of losses. So we'll talk about that. Uh, the White Sox sitting at fifty five and ninety right now, and they you know they haven't won a series since uh, August seventh to the ninth, so that's pretty tough. But plenty of stuff to talk about there that I want to ask Gabe, of course, when you know when it comes to guys being sent down and all that. But uh, today we'll talk about the Cubs first. Um, like I said, 78-69, four games back of the Brewers, two ahead of the Car- or the Cardinals, of the Arizona Diamondbacks in the second in the second spot of the wild card race. You know, overall, things are looking up in the sense of, you know, if you keep on winning, keep on, you know, put your head down, they'll be in the playoffs. But at the same time, they just, you know, lost back-to-back series. They got, uh, you know, Edward Alzola is on the IL for fi- on the 15-day IL. Uh, Jamer Candelario is also on IL. So, you know, the thing about this team is that, you know, they have, you know, plenty of guys that can, you know, you know, like guys like PCA that came up and all that, which we'll definitely talk about as well. But uh, over the last week, Miles, how have you felt about this Cubs team? Because obviously, like, you know, it's been a little bit of frustrating stretch as they lost back-to-back series. But you know that at the end of the day, they didn't necessarily, you know, the the standings didn't change that much. So they're still in the running for the Central and still holding that two-game lead um, in the uh, wild card race. How do you feel? You know, I mean, still, still feeling really good about the boys, and I think we've kind of gotten uh, an opportunity here for us to kind of come off of this really rough stretch, um, and for the Diamondbacks to struggle the way that they did in New York recently. <laughs> kind of keeps us in it. Not even kind of. We're we're, we're still in it because this team has been struggling. Uh, so. You know, and, and the, these things happen where, where you know, a, a hot team is going to is gonna run into its hurdles. And I think now going into Arizona, headed to Phoenix, now's the time to, to really turn it on and, 
Uh, it's unfortunate that we got some guys down right now, um, but I'd rather them be down right now than be unavailable come the playoffs, come the wild card. Um, and and I, I'm also hoping uh, Canario also gets another opportunity here with, with guys going down. Now, I don't know what the specific reason is to call him up, not give him any ABs and send him down. I don't know what analytics kind of go into that from a fan looking in, from a player's perspective, looking from the outside in, that's bullshit. And so it doesn't, you know, I don't know what kind of, what strategy goes on into that because from, from our point of view, we're seeing we're seeing a lot of surface level things. Maybe from their point of view, there must be some sort of weird strategy. To me, it just looks stupid. You call this kid up to not really give him an opportunity and send him down for reasons I still don't understand. Uh, and so, you know, aside from that, I'm very proud of how this ball club continues to battle. We we, we came off of a series in Colorado that we should have uh, taken care of, um, but you know, things, things happen. Even, even Ian Happ makes errors in the outfield and whatever the case may be, it's baseball at the end of the day. Um, now it's kind of time to turn the page and turn it on in Arizona. Big series. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think, uh, and yeah, you brought it up with Canadio. We were going to get to that for sure. I mean, dude, like mm-hmm. I agree. I completely agree. Makes no sense to me. And I mean, David Ross had these comments and Gabe, you can comment on this too uh, when you speak, but I mean, with David Ross, he said that they're, they're going to, like he said, he said this before earlier, I think maybe later in August, he's going to play the guys who got them there. Okay. Um, but it's still strange to me that you're not even a, like a pinch hit um, when you're giving at best right. to Patrick Wisdom, uh, when you're giving at best to Miles Master Boney, um, uh, still kind of strange to me. Um, yeah, the guy, the guy, yeah, yeah, and that's what a lot of people were saying too. That you know, if that was the case, be- oh, because he also said uh, earlier this week, he said that they're not trying to develop players now. Like that, that's right. not their goal to develop players, and and which right. really is really odd because you're de- currently developing Javier Assad, you're developing Jordan Wicks, uh, you know. So it's it's a strange thing to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I'll get your thoughts. I gave overall thoughts on the Cubs recently and just, you know, those comments from David Ross, cause that was one of the main things I was thinking about because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't have a problem with David Ross. I know a lot of people like every time the Cubs lose, they want his head. Um, but I definitely don't agree with that. Um, but he, you know, has obviously put himself in a bind when he says certain things like this. Um, so yeah. What are your thoughts overall right now? Well, first off, I, I know a lot of people that want David Ross head. <laughs> after every after every loss, yeah, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who feel like you feel so and, mm-hmm. and maps. I, mm-hmm. I know a ton of people that are Cub fans that feel that way, and and it's mm-hmm. it, it it they have not hidden how they felt about that. And I understand because yeah. you talk about how you want to play the guys that got you there, but with all due respect to Patrick Williams, uh, wisdom, excuse me, Patrick wisdom, like he has twenty plus homers, but he batting under two fifty. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and he he he's a strikeout machine. And, and, and lack of play discipline ain't there sometimes. Miles Mastroni, mm-hmm. that was the guy that got you there. You know, mm-hmm. as Miles said, like your main spark plugs in this lineup has been Bellinger, Horner, Half. You know those guys, and mm-hmm. if you know, it was the development of these young pitchers that got them to this point. Take that process with your hitters. 
And in a pennant race, in a playoff race, sometimes you have to put the young talent in the game to make an impact. Mm -hmm. Because that's really where you're going to find out what they made of. It's not every day when you're a prospect that you could get called into the thick of a pennant race. We just saw the Orioles call up Heston Kerstad at the top of this morning. You know he's going to play in Baltimore. They brought him up for a reason. Mm -hmm. Alice Canario, I do believe he deserves some playing time. You saw what playing Pete Crow Armstrong did for you, even though the bat is yet to play. That glove mm -hmm. is elite. And that glove kept you in some ball games and it helped you win a game in Colorado, a place in which you've struggled, like many teams do in, in a high altitude where the ball flies a country mile. So when I when I look at that, I, I don't understand that at all. And, and we talked about this last week, bro. You know, like at some point you gotta trust these guys. And you playing with house money. You don't have nothing to lose. You you're two and a half games up for the second wild card spot on San Francisco. But Arizona's coming. And even though they've lost three in a row, this series, after losing three out of four to Arizona last weekend and losing two out of three on the road in Colorado, this is a huge series that could make or break you. So you're going to have to do some things that you may not feel comfortable doing just to see how far your team can go, especially now when you've lost Condelario and Albert Alzali, who was doing tremendous work out of the bullpen, and save situations for you. So I, I don't I don't understand that at all. But as as nice as it's been to see the Cubs play solid baseball, man, they, they shot themselves in the foot, I feel like a few times against Colorado, man. And and, and, and and not just against Colorado, even in the series where they split with Cincinnati. And it's getting mm -hmm. to a point now where it's like Michael Jordan said in the last dance. It's nut cruncher time. You know, it's either time to put up or shut up. So I'm curious to see how these young guys play. And it's my hope that David Ross finds a way to not only manage that bullpen effectively, but also finds a way to insert young guys into the lineup that warrant playing time, not just because they're young, but these are guys that have proven themselves at the minor league level that they're capable of being on this level and that they have what it takes to succeed. Yeah, and I think, you know, as you mentioned, the bullpen, you've seen a little bit of the cracks as like, you know, they've been a little bit more vulnerable lately, but it's because guys like, you know, as they, you know, I've heard this from multiple Cubs fans. I've seen this everywhere. You know, these guys are not used to pitching, you know, in September, you know, these are guys like even guys like Justin Steele, like, you know, they're not, they're not used to pitching this long, having this many innings guy like Mark Leiter Jr. You know, his first year in the bullpen, you know, as, as, you know, as, you know, borderline, you know, setup man, um, you know, hit his splitter, which is his best pitch, I guess, is also I've heard has lost some break to it. So, you know, it, 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 guys are struggling and, and like good to have Michael Fulmer back, you know, in there. He closed out, you know, the only win in Colorado. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is yeah, it, 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 it really is time like, you know, to, to do something about, you know, these teams that are behind you, you know, try to put these teams away because if you can't, you know, one bad week and you're out of the playoff picture. So you know, that, that's where things are at right now. And I think, you know, Cubs have been good about bouncing back from series losses. Um, but it was a little disappointing that they weren't able to bounce back from the Arizona one in Colorado, despite, as you say, a tough play anyways, I understand. But it's a really bad Colorado Rockies team to where, like, you should have at least won, you know, two out of three. And you could have easily gotten swept because that first game, they came back in the top of the ninth inning. So, 
it just it's really embarrassing honestly i'm not gonna lie that they get to do all that against colorado but yeah this arizona series is off bro yeah go ahead i feel like i see it sometimes in like certain youth sports as well in terms of just giving Mm -hmm. guys opportunity yeah um when it's like the crunch time of the season kind of like what gabe says bro put these guys out there give them an opportunity to prove themselves what it was like yesterday or the day before where we're, we're pinch hitting Pete Crow Armstrong uh, for Jan Gomes. Jan mm-hmm. Gomes has been great for us this entire season, but at the same time, if I'm a manager, I'm like, okay, let me see, let me see what you got in this moment. Let me yeah. let me see it. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. That's just annoying to me, bro. I, I, I hate this stingy ass like mentality that some of these coaches and managers have, where it's like, stick with your guys, that's fine, but don't, you know, don't 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 sell empty promises like that. This is. It's so stupid to me, mm-hmm. and, and, and it's because it, it's it's not just an MLB thing. I've seen it in college ball. I've seen it in high school ball. It's so dumb. It happened to me. It's dumb. Give guys chances. You're winning. Your team's gonna be just fine. But at the same time, homie, stop stop lying to these kids. Stop lying mm-hmm. to these players. Mm-hmm. I really haven't been that frustrated with the Cubs all year, regardless of, of like their their struggles or whatever the case may be. To me, this is to me that's just. That's just not fair because if the Orioles are freaking calling up guys in, in, a, in a season where they're dominating the MLB, the Cubs have no reason to not do that. If, if you think that Patrick Wisdom is one of your guys has got to be this point, your priorities are very, very off at the moment. That's all. And to add to your point on that, man, mm-hmm. real quickly, this is the new wave across Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Think about where the Cincinnati Reds were to start the year until they brought up Ellie Dela Cruz. And then they followed that up once they found some success with him, bringing up Noel V. Marte, Christian Encarnacion Strand, and those yep. boys, man. Like, and, and look where they at. They in the thick of the wild card race. Yep. And this was a team that we didn't expect much from going into the season. But we knew that the young kids were coming. And what did those young kids do? They injected life into that ball club. They came out, competed every day. And, w- and what do you know? They're in the thick of the wild card race, and this is going to be one of the top teams in the National League that a lot of fans look forward to watching in 2024. You got to do that sometime with these teams, especially in a 162-game season where it's a war of attrition and guys are going to fall down left and right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it, you know, yeah, you're right. And I think, you know, to, well, to Miles' point, you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, there seems to be like some kind of either mis either miscommunication or something because why bring up guys if you're not going to utilize them right it's just it, does, it it doesn't make any sense because it's almost like a wasted roster spot if you're going to bring Canadio up and not give him an at bat at all because uh Tucker Barnhart had that like last man on the roster spot and we saw him start we saw him have pinch hit situations so there's like to me very odd no excuse not to put Canario in for even for an at bat. And like I said, I said this on a previous show as well. I understand Canario is not a PCA guy. PCA, as you can tell, came up. He's getting some at bats. I get it. But at the same time, it's a younger guy, a guy that the league's not familiar with, a guy that came up on like a 12 game on base streak. Like it just makes no sense to me. Like give him, like not, why not you give him a chance? Mike Talkman has like gone way down from what he was doing in July. So, no excuse there. I understand Mike Tomlin is out. He, I, he gave gives great at bats. I understand he gets on base. Understand, but it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Why not give these guys a shot? You know what I mean? And like, you know, and you and you mentioned wisdom as well. Like, dude, like he hits home runs, but that's literally all he does. And I understand 
in a spot where like it's a left-hander up there or like you're down by one, you know, something like that. It's different situations are different, but man, you just, it just, it's just strange to me. So that's why, you know, I had to bring it up because I, I, I just, I don't know what exactly their aim is. I don't really see, you know, I don't know if it's Jed Hoyer and, and David Ross that are kind of, you know, having, you know, opposite, uh, my, you know, thoughts there, who, who knows, but uh, I guess we'll see down the stretch because it's going to be, yeah, like you said, it's going to be a really important stretch uh, coming up. This is the rest of the season is, but this, this series in particular against Arizona because of, you know, Arizona is chasing the Cubs and Arizona lost again. So they're three, they're, you know, they're tied for that third spot. And now the Cubs are ahead of that, that third spot, but two and a half games. So that's a positive from today. Brewers were off as well today as, as were the Cubs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting, you know, last couple of weeks to see, you know, what these guys can do. Um, because a guy like PCA, as we saw, as you mentioned, gave his defense is electric. And if he can just add some clutch base hits in there, I mean, it changes the whole thing. Um, so I, you know, I think we'll see that there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Like I said, it's going to be, it's going to be intense the last couple of weeks. They got Arizona for three at Arizona, then three against Pittsburgh. So if they could come up with the series, win in Arizona, win two out of three or something, you're going to face Pittsburgh, a team you've only lost two ones this year. So um, hopefully that goes well, but we'll shift our focus now to the South side of Chicago um, where uh, the White Sox are 55 and 90. And, you know, like I said, there's some things that have been gone on there that I want to ask Gabe about, for example, you know, Oscar Colas was sent down. Uh, the Sox recalled Carlos Perez. Um, you know, uh, Oscar Colas was slashing 219, 253, and 331 with a uh, you know weighted runs created plus a 52 um, this season. So not great, but it's one of those things where I don't know why you wouldn't just leave him up here for the rest of the season just to see what you know why not even in the bench even if you want to bench. But you know, Gabe, what are your thoughts on that? I know it's nothing like game changing, but I did want your take on that because. Oscar Colas is technically a guy, you know, that's going to be part of the Sox future that they hope is a guy is part of the future. Um, but what do you think about his performance this year and just sending him down in general? I think Oscar Colas had a lot of pressure on him coming into the season. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that was raking through his first nine games at AAA Charlotte when he got called up to AAA late in the season last year. And he moved up rather quickly in the minor league system and was a key international signing a few years ago that a lot of White Sox fans were banking on becoming the next great right fielder for this ball club. However, he struggled early in the season. His plate discipline wasn't up to par, you know, not being able to lay off off speed pitches. And therefore he was striking out at a high clip. Yes. He, he showcased flashes of what he could do when he was locked in and fully such as, showcasing a power here and there very seldomly, but also showcasing a a rifle for an arm in right field, you know, nabbing guys. But then he also had stretches where he was missing a cutoff man. And and these were the reasons why he got sent down the first time. Got sent down early May, came back early July. You still see some of the same flashes of potential that can make him great. But at the same time, you know, base running mishaps. Not hitting the cutoff man. Almost getting Elvis Andres killed the other day in Detroit. You know, not communicating on a infield fly, what have you. So, like, when when you 
when you see these things, it's not hard to understand why he got sent back a second time. However, you say that you see him as being a part of the White Sox future. So I don't know at this point. And I think Chris Getz is trying to send a message to these guys. Like, look, if you're not going to play the game fundamentally sound at the big league level, then you need to go down and refine some things within your game. The only thing that I don't like when it comes to how they handle Colas, and I know this isn't all on Chris Getz, is Colas was a guy that was seen by Rick Hahn as the future right fielder of the White Sox. But the one thing I don't like about it is you're affecting his confidence in some way. Because what did you really have to lose by playing him at this point? Mm-hmm. Not only what did you have to lose, but like you said, if you wanted to bench him, you could bench him. Mm-hmm. I don't mind him bringing up Carlos Perez, but if you're going to bring up Carlos Perez, right, then why in the hell is Yasmani Grandal still around? Because we all know when 2023 comes to an end or the season that is for the White Sox this year, we know Yasmani Grandal will not be back on 35th and Shields next season. So why not see what you have in all of these young players and keep Colas up here because the minor league season in AAA is ending next week. So what are you going to do after that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it, yeah, it's, that's what I was thinking too, is like the fact that, you know, th- there's not much left in the season, you know, why not give them, you know, a couple, some more at bats here and then next year, start them in, in, in AAA, whatever you want to do. Right. So that's, that's the only reason why I was a little bit like, hmm, you know, you know, with some of the guys in the roster, you know, why not? But uh, Miles, what are your thoughts on this situation as well as just like, you know, how do you think that affects us, the player's psyche in the sense of like being sent down and, you know, maybe he, maybe, uh, maybe who knows how uh, Colas is like thinking right now. Maybe he sees this as a, a, something very negative. He doesn't, maybe he does, maybe he thinks that they, they're giving up on him. Who knows, right? Who knows how he's thinking on this particular situation? But Miles, what do you think about the, the you know, Oscar Colas as a whole? Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's a message. And, he, and he's still fairly young at 24 mm-hmm. years old. And, you know, I, I really like a point that Gabe made in terms of gets kind of sending a message. Uh, th- this is a team that, now, you know, you're just playing out the season and really you're just preparing for next year. At, at this point, you're just, you know, you're just trying to finish the season strong. And, and and it's good, you know, to be willing to send out young guys like that who aren't performing, who aren't going about the game correctly. That's really good. Um, and hopefully, you know, hopefully for Colas, he's able to kind of figure that out. Um, like this point was just made that there's only about a week left in the minor league season. And so, not much going on there once he is sent down and once that season's over, it's on him. So to work on these things in the offseason, if the Sox decide to maybe bring him up before the season ends, it's not really any point in doing that at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's, I think, you know, I think it's important that they kind of reiterate the point as to why this happened uh, to him specifically. And I hope that there's some sort of understanding going on there. But with, with a young player like that, you don't want to – completely diminish their, you know, kind of like their their enthusiasm, their confidence. You, you, st- you want them to be confident. You also want to make a very strong point to them being like, hey, the brand of baseball that you are playing is not working. We are a team that is not working uh, and changes are going to be made. And so this train is operating uh, correctly. So 
you know, uh, I, I hope I hope that his mind is in the right place, and I hope this isn't like too hard on him. Really, him being sent down is you know, he's, he's not really missing much going forward. So it's, you know, if I'm if I'm him, my mentality is getting better uh, for next year. Yeah, yep. and I, I, hopefully, yeah, hopefully it works out for him, and and hopefully he's able to come back and and you know be a better player for it, you know, and um and yeah, you're right, they might actually call him up right once the minor league season officially over. Who knows what's what's gonna happen there? But um, one other thing too I wanted to bring up was the fact that uh you know we and we talked about it last week, Gabe, but with Michael Kopech, they did put him in the bullpen, and he you know he's had a, a couple you know a few appearances, not necessarily the greatest appearances, but he's getting he's getting used to, and we see some of the you know, his, the changes in, in uh, miles per hour um, and, and all that stuff. But Gabe, what have you thought so far on him as a reliever? Um, I think he f- looks more comfortable out there as a reliever. He, he does. But he does. I, however, I feel like he's still making some of the same mistakes mm-hmm. as a reliever that he made as a starter. And that's what's kind of been getting to him. Now he's only gave up two earned runs, but like mm-hmm. a lot of that is a byproduct of him leaving pitches up. And it's about location for him. But he looks more comfortable. I just don't know exactly, like I said last week, what will his role be? If it's in the bullpen, is he a guy that you want to be a long relief guy who comes in for a starter after, you know, he's unable to go five innings or whatever and pitch from like the fifth through the seventh? Or do you view him as a setup man? that can hold it down for you between the seventh and eighth innings of games? Or do you view him as your shutdown closer, which is something that Chris gets in the front office is going to have to look to address among a myriad of issues, especially with Liam Hendricks out for the next 12 to 14 months due to Tommy John surgery. Yeah. So, you know, you are right also, by the way, and I'll say he does look very comfortable in there compared to as a starter. But I mean, yeah, I saw that you know the the highlights from when he, you know they played the Tigers and he gave up. It was a home run to Kerry Carpenter. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things also too is where you know maybe he also needs to get used to it as well uh, overall. So, um, but you know, I still see him as you know hopefully being as effective as as he can be from the bullpen. Even though you know Griffith has said you know the fact that um, you know they're obviously not giving up on him as a starter. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there, but. Uh, Miles, what do you think about that situation in general with Kopech? You know, how do you see him? Do you see him as a starter reliever in the future? Um, because he struggled a lot in, in, as a starter, as we talked about last week. But, you know, a, as a reliever, you know, he could bring a lot to the table, even as, like, say, a closer as well, too. You know, with Liam Hendricks being out, who knows uh, what they're going to do there. So um, what do you think about that situation? I would love to see him coming out of the pen, and, and he – kind of redefine his game a little bit. He he has the stuff, kind of like you said, to, to be like a Liam Hendricks kind of player. Uh, very electric pitcher, very powerful stuff. Um, I would love that. I would love to see that. I, and and I, think, I think that's always, you know, is, is, I, I love that that is still, you know, kind of a possibility for him instead of him, you know, possibly being DFA'd in the future. Whatever the case may be, this is someone who can still be – very, very special to the White Sox or any ball club coming out of the pen. And, and at this point, I do see him more as a bullpen guy, maybe a long reliever type. And maybe as a setup man, I don't know. Definitely as a closer, I think that would be electric on the on the south side. So I'm definitely here for it. Uh, 
I, you know, I, I would hope that this is something that the White Sox continue to think about in the offseason instead of kind of throwing them out there to go through it a little bit more. Because at this point, you're not really learning anything. You're kind of just doing the same thing over again and getting hit hard each time or, or just not getting outs in general. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that there is that there is some thorough thought going on with this behind the scenes. And, and, and I truly believe that there is. Uh, and I'm hoping to see them kind of act on it next year because let me let me tell you something man i want to i want to see good things happen on the south side i regardless of being a cubs or Sox fan for me i'm a baseball fan first and this is just everything that's unfolded on the south side this year i'm just like all right well (laughs) it's kind of good to switch things up a little bit and this kind of starts with that hey maybe maybe bring him out of the pen and who knows he could be electric next year I don't know. Just an idea. I would love to see it. He has that look, too. He looks like he could be a closer. He has mm-hmm. the hair and everything. So <laughs> It's funny you say that. It's funny you say that, Miles, because I was talking with Saul about this a yeah. week ago. It's been so many pitchers that started out as starters. You bought mm-hmm. up Liam Hendricks. Mariano Rivera started out as a starter. Dennis Eckert, yeah. we started out as a starter. Reynaldo Lopez started out as a starter with the White yeah. Sox, and they became – elite relievers, two out of three of them in Eckersley and Rivera who are now in the Hall of Fame and they were shut down closes back in their heyday. I'm looking at the minor league system right now. There are a ton of pitchers in the White Sox minor league system. Mm-hmm. Kristen Mayna is in AAA Charlotte, just recently got promoted up there. Nick Nostrini, a guy that they got from the Dodgers organization. I could easily see him being a part of the White Sox start rotation next season. If that happens, alongside of Mina, who also has tremendous stuff at the age of 20 years old. It don't leave too much room for Michael Kopech to be a starting pitcher on the White Sox. So with that said, I think you you do have to consider moving him to the bullpen, especially when you know at the max, you have to sign at least three pitchers, three starters, at least to solidify your starting rotation next season. Because, it, it, like we talked about with baseball in the Cubs, it's a 162-game season. It's a battle of attrition. Nowadays, it takes anywhere between eight to ten starting pitchers just to get through a season. Yeah, and I think, you, yeah, you're right. And it's like, you know, who – it's like – it's a marathon trying to see who makes it to the very end, you know, from each roster. It's it's rough out there. And and, and I definitely agree with you, Miles. Like, I definitely see – Kopech is, you know, definitely an all-star closer. It just, he just has that look to him. Uh, so, you know, hopefully, you know, they're able to work that out and he comes out um, a better player for it. Uh, yeah. The, you know, as you know, with the White Sox, uh, they played a series against the Royals and they were, you know, they came back from nine, nothing down and still lost the game. It was, it was rough, uh, you know, that they were, weren't able to come out on top for that one, but uh, they play, you know, Minnesota for four, and they take on the Nationals for three. Um, so, you know, not much to play for right now, but at the same time, you see a lot of these young players in situations like Kopech, it, it's something worth watching, honestly, you know, to see what what's going to happen with their future and, and some of the players are going to play a part in next season. Uh, so, uh, that for you know, that'll do it for, you know, the Chicago side of things. We'll now move on to around the league. And I wanted to talk about Matt Olson, who, who hit his 51st home run. Uh, to tie Andrew Jones for the record of most uh, home runs in a season for the Braves. Uh, but the one thing I want to talk about is don't, don't you guys kind of think that not enough people are talking about Matt Olson because 
there's guys like Acuna on the team going for MVP, Mookie Betts. Like, I I, I feel like not a lot of people talk about Matt Olson's season. It's just his his season has been ridiculous. Like I think um in his last I I I think it was his, in the last week or so his like his OPS it looked like a year it was like eighteen eighty eight or something like that it was Damn. just it was yeah it was disgusting and I was just like my god like this is mashing but yeah I mean the Braves clinched the the AL East of course uh, which is good for the Cubs because you know maybe by maybe by next week they'll they'll start sitting guys and they won't play them against the Cubs or something. But anyways, uh, but what do you think about that miles and in, in, in Matt Olson season? And just the fact that, you know, if it, it's, it's weird to say, because, you know, as us baseball heads, like we obviously, we pay attention to Matt Olson, but like other people, I feel like the, you know, general audience like may not because of like guys like Mookie Betts and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, that's part of that is also on the MLB in terms of how they're marketing guys. True. True. Um, you know, it's, it's incredible. And, and, I, and I've been saying this for, for, for a few years now, you know, specifically last year uh, with his first year at the Braves, it was, it was a painful departure for Braves fans from Freddie Freeman. Understandably, Freddie Freeman was more than just a great player there. He was someone uh, who, who was a leader and, and helped change this franchise to what brought them their dominance now. And I always said that, give Matt Olson a chance. You, you, I think you just caught lightning in a bottle that this, I think this kind of solidifies that. Um, I mean, what, what a year, honestly, just, he's an absolute tank. And he also has his batting stance that really scares me for some reason, the way he holds his hands, he just looks like he's ready to launch every single baseball. Um, and he, and he's a great dude, man. He's just consistent at the plate. It's almost like he has a long swing, but it's a swing that covers the entire plate from the mm. left side. So really that's why he's running into so many just because he has quick hands and he's a big dude with long arms that just covers the entire plate. He knows how to just go barrel the ball and takes it where it's fished. He's really good at turning on it too. So it's it, it's awesome. It's awesome, man. And it's it's great for Braves fans uh to feel like okay, we 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 have we have another solid all-star first baseman after losing a very solid all-star first baseman. Man, it must be it must be fun to be a Braves fan because it looked real fun when I was when I was over there in May. Golly, <laughs> <laughs> they, they they know how to party there, and so it's awesome. It, it's it's awesome, and I'm looking forward to see it. I, I want to see him get sixty. Yeah, and I think you know ultimately another. I think another reason, and you're right about the marketing side of things. That you're right, they're, they're not good at marketing. <laughs> MLB's never been good at marketing players, but. Well, when it comes to also just the Braves in general, they're talked about so much that I think he gets lost in there as well because that lineup, as we always say, is just is a cheat code. You know, when you guys got when you got like Acuna, Riley, even even uh, Marcelo Zuna has thirty four home runs. Um, you know, yeah. eight seventy OPS. So I mean, guys like that. I mean, even like Eddie Rosario, like on another team, would be like their three hitter. You know, meanwhile he's over here twenty home runs, seven ninety nine OPS. So. They got guys just down the lineup. Just, I mean, the fact that, you know, you know, Michael Harris, the third or Michael Harris, the second, he bets ninth is just crazy to me. And uh, it's just unfair. So I think that's probably one of the main reasons why people aren't talking about him that much. But uh, yeah, I mean, and, and you mentioned with this his stance is very, it's a very imposing stance is what I call it. Cause yeah. it's just like, you know, you, 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 even when you face him in like MLB, the show, it's just like, you're like, dude, like this guy can hit anything, but Gabe, what do you think about 
<laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Gabe, what do, what do you think about the, the you know, Matt Olsen season as well as just how kind of under under rate under the radar he is, I guess you could say. Funny, we're talking about this because I had a conversation with a friend of mine who knows how big of a Atlanta Braves fan I am and a Ronald Acuna fan I am. And he was asking me, do I think Matt Olsen has a case for National League MVP? And he was, you know, listing off reasons why I said I can't argue against it. And I do think the reason why a lot of people don't know who he is because he's not really a flashy guy. He just goes out there and does his damn job. And then you combine that with the point that Miles alluded to in Major League Baseball, not really doing the best of job of marketing his players, at least since the mid-2000s. And that's why you have a situation such as this. I also saw a tweet about a couple weeks ago when the Braves were in Los Angeles playing the Dodgers and Mookie and Acuna were having you know, monster game ones in that four-game series in which the Braves took three out of four going into Labor Day weekend, where a guy was like, man, Matt Olsen is on pace to hit 50-plus home runs, and no one's talking about it. Hmm. No one's talking about it. And it goes to what you said, Saul. This lineup is so damn deep. You know, Mal said he had the pleasure of watching the Braves in May. I had the pleasure of watching them in Wrigleyville in August. And I, I saw one of 51 home runs for Matt Olsen. And it's crazy, like, when he's up at the plate, you know the game can change in any given instant. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I saw him take Kopech yard down in the battery in July coming off the All-Star break when he walked the bases loaded. And it's like, th this is a guy, man, that you, you have to be very careful with. And the guys that he has up at the top of the order, such as Acuna, Ozzy Albies, and these boys, man, like Atlanta, man, what they have done is they have built a model of consistency. And it's kind of reminiscent of the 90s. Braves teams, the only difference is the 90s Braves did it with pitching. They doing it with hitting. And if I didn't know nothing about baseball, I probably would think the Braves are an American League team with the way that they hit and they slug, man. Yep. Because when you talk about a, a guy like Marcelo Zuna having 34 home runs, like, man, that's why they never out of a ball game. Mm -hmm. And I can, and I like just what Atlanta's done, man. And Alex Anthopoulos, man, is just incredible. But yeah, Matt Olson is a guy that deserves a lot of love and, and praise. And I would put him top three in NL MVP voting. I still would give the MVP award to Acuna, but I think he's a top three guy. And if you voted him two or three, I wouldn't be mad at that. And my friend, like, even over Freddie Freeman, I said, I wouldn't be mad because he's putting up numbers that we have not seen from power hitters since the 90s. These are the type of numbers that attract the casual fan to baseball. Yeah, you're right. I think, you know, that like on top of him being a great player, I mean, you just see he's a great guy too as well. Like and just, you know, could be easily, you know, without some of these guys in the league, easily could be one of the faces of baseball. But there's just so many. And I think that's it's, it's a good problem to have. But at the same time, um, you know, you think MLB would just be better in general of, you know, marketing these guys because Atlanta truly, you know, right now seems like America's team because, you know, not, nobody really necessarily hates them or anything like that. Like, it's not like the Astros with Korea and all that, like back in the day, like, no, like I don't see them, anybody having a problem with, you know, Ronald Acuna. And the thing is Acuna, even Acuna, you can make an argument to be like, oh, like this guy talks a lot of smack, but dude, he backs it up with something and more. So I think that's probably one of the reasons why some people don't have a problem with that, but um, 
Uh, the last thing I did want to talk about is one of the main stories today is the fact that uh, the Red Sox fired uh, GM Heim Bloom. Um, and man, I mean, this is, I think, to be honest, you can make an argument. This has been a while in the making because it should have been done maybe a while ago because he was the, the guy, of course, who traded and he'll always be remembered as the guy who traded Mookie Betts uh, to the Dodgers for, you can make an argument, nothing. Uh, so um, it, it's, you know, disappointing for the Red Sox in the, in the sense of, you know, they could have gotten another GM, you know, and they could have been in a different spot, but, you know, they, they have a very good chance of finishing in last again. So, um, yeah, well, we'll start with you, Miles. What are your thoughts on Heim Bloom uh, being let go from the Red Sox um, and just like his history with the Red Sox, what he did to the organization, where the spot he left him in, um, because it's not necessarily a good one. I mean, you have Rafael Devers um, and, you know, you still – you still need a lot more of that to compete. I mean, they got hot for a little bit um, and were able to climb into the wild card standings and look like they had a shot for a while. Um, and then they did something really weird, which kind of like buy and sell. It was really, I don't know. It was really confusing at the deadline. Um, so uh, what are your thoughts on this firing of, of Heimblum? Um, What good did he do for the Red Sox? No, I mean, nothing. <laughs> basically, I don't basically, know about that person, but, but 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 on the on the major league level, yeah, you could definitely say that he cost yeah. them a lot of guys that were yeah. key members of their core as well. Yeah, this is yeah, and really, you know that that that's what I'm alluding to is just in terms of the guys that are at the top level. I was always very confused in terms of which direction is he trying to take this team mm-hmm. I was very confused when it came to Trevor's story. Uh, oh, I'm like, okay, we let Bogarts walk. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I remember at one point, they almost lost Devers during the offseason as well. Had yeah, they not signed on the way mm-hmm. they did. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, man, let's talk. What are you trying to do here? <laughs> what, 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 where are you trying to, what do you, where, where are you trying to take this, this historical team that, that has been built on tradition of, of winning and very like hard nosed kind of tough baseball. What what are you trying to do? And so, you know, it, it's just it's just things like that where I'm like, all right, well, this is a long time coming, and and, and good for Red Sox Nation, man, and and whoever whoever steps up next, and you know, I'm, I'm hoping it, it's just I understand that there's a business side to baseball, but if, if you got good ball players, I think. You should do your best to keep them around as long as you can. If, if they're producing, I just, you know, I, I don't know what went into his thinking and, and, and whatever the case may be. Kind of like you said, they, they lost a lot to get to get a lot of nothing. Um, yeah. Firing him now was kind of weird to me because I, I don't know. I, think, I feel like you had the offseason to, to kind of make some of these decisions, but, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully, hopefully the, you know, Whoever steps up next is kind of able to turn this thing around because the Sox aren't, I don't know, they, they could be very good next year. They weren't, you know, we, we, we got off to kind of a weird season this year, but like you said, they crawled into the wild card standings again. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I am praying for the Red Sox. That is also my second favorite team. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, 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 you know, Gabe kind of, you know, he said he, he didn't know about, it. I mean, you're, you're right in the sense of like he did. They the one thing they did say was he was good at drafting, right? And he yes, drafted some prospects. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, if you can't fix the MLB team, I mean that's your main job at the end of the day. 
you know, you can't just, you know, put, you know, be like, Hey, look, I got these guys in the minors cooking. Like they can't give you forever. And, you know, with the Red Sox team that looked like they could compete this year. And as Miles says, you're right. They could be next year. Who knows how things go, especially with the Red Sox. You never know next year they could win the world series and I wouldn't be surprised. (laughs) So uh, we'll see. But I mean, some of the things like, I just don't like understand I understand that he's done that he didn't do a hundred percent terrible job, but at the same time, I don't understand why there's so many people defending this guy. Cause like Jeff Passan had a tweet where it was like over the 15 year stretch during they, they won four world series here with uh, uh Red Sox payroll ranks in those four years were second, second, third, and first. And over the last four years, they have been under the, the CBT uh, three times and under their payroll this year, their, their payroll is 11th. Uh, but it was a GM's fault. Like I, I look, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't really know why, like, I've seen plenty of GMs do something even with, like, without that. But, I mean, that's that's just my opinion. But, Gabe, what are, what are your thoughts on this situation? Because, you know, it looks like there's, in, when it comes to Red Sox Twitter, at least, it looks like there's a little bit of, of people saying it's not fully his fault, but at the same time, other people saying he should have been gone. And then other people were like, they didn't give him enough of a chance. So where do you stand in this whole thing? I'm in the middle. Mm-hmm. One, because I don't have that big of a vested interest in it, but I do know who High and Bloom is, and I know what he built in Tampa, and I know the way that he did it. He did it by being a methodical guy, a guy that was patient, a guy that um was always willing to rebuild and stockpile on assets down on the farm while still trying to have a competitive major league roster. When he was bought into Boston, He was the guy that was the exact opposite of David Dombrowski, who didn't give a damn to trade prospects away for top-tier All-Stars in the pursuit of world championships, which he bought to Boston in 2018, courtesy of the Chris Sale trade, among a few other trades. I think the thing that did Heinblum in the most was the way in which his major league team performed Mm. at the big league level. When you have four years in office, And three out of those four years, you're either in last place or at the bottom of the American League East Division in Boston, which is the opposite of Tampa Bay. That's not good. Why? Because there are expectations there. That fan base expects to see a winner each and every year. You add that on top of the fact that he didn't do good with the Mookie Betts trade, even though he got Alex Verdugo who was a high-touted prospect coming up in the Dodgers organization, he hasn't panned out into the player in which they thought he would become. So that that's like a, another thing that's, that's on his resume that hurts him surviving in Boston. Then you have Brian O'Halloran, a guy that's well thought of in the Red Sox organization behind you, who they're going to promote from general manager into a higher elevated position within the baseball ops department. So he just had a lot to overcome. And outside of the 2021 season, in which the Red Sox won the wild card, advanced to the ALCS where they got knocked out by Houston, that was the only year in which they made the playoffs. So, like, he he just didn't have that in his favor. But what he did do, and I think the reason why you see some people defending him He stockpiled on talent in the farm system. Cal Teal, their first-round draft pick out of Virginia this year, is a guy who has a tremendous pop time behind the plate and is an incredible hitter. 
he will be up in a couple of years. Sedane Raffaella, you see him right now. He's one of the top prospects. Roman Anthony is a guy that I like. Who's Marcelo been in Meyer too. High a. Hmm? Marcelo Meyer too. Yeah, Marcelo Meyer, they top prospect. Like they have some guys mm-hmm. that are solid. And my first immediate thought when he got fired was, this is why White Sox fans were mad. And this is why White Sox fans wanted to have a due diligence when it came to the process mm-hmm. of hiring a single decision maker to lead the baseball operations mm-hmm. front. If I'm Chris Getz and I want to bring in outside people and I know my farm system hasn't been the best and I know I want to make strides in the international scouting department and bring in top tier talent from the likes of Latin America and beyond here, I want high bloom. And if I'm any other organization that seeks to have those same aspirations and win, I want him because I know he can win off of a budget. But with the Red Sox, he, he, he couldn't win for losing there because of the way that the big league team performed. Letting Mookie Betts go. And then, by the way, Xander Bogarts left Boston for San Diego, which even though they gave him a bunch of millions to leave, that's a tough blow. And I know fans on the East Coast don't take that real well at all. Yeah, and and you're right. Gabe, I actually didn't even put two and two together when it came to Heim Bloom. Like, I don't give, I don't, honestly, he left Boston, leaves that stuff there. But what he did in Tampa is different, right? So I'll still give him a chance. I don't care. He's still a young guy in the business. Yeah, uh, he's going to get he, a job. Yeah, he's, so he's, <laughs> he's going to, yeah, he's going to be fine. So, but like, you know, if the White Sox get him, that would be a bit, that would be a huge get in my opinion. Because, you know, another thing, another, uh, Thing that people were saying when it comes to um, the people that were defending Han Bloom, they were saying he that he didn't get enough time as other GMs got, like compared to other GMs. Yeah. So that 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 would be I, I could understand that a little bit more um, uh, of a de- of a defense for him. And yeah, give him a shot in in, in, in the South Side. Why not, right? Um, but yeah, other things around the league that have come out. I mean, uh, Max Scherzer is going to be out for the rest of the season. Um, uh, Sandy Alcantara, who I mentioned last week. Went to the IL. He has a UCL sprain. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen for the rest of the season. He's day-to-day, though. Um, you know, but these races are just going to get hotter and hotter as more more and more of these players either come back from injury or go on, in, you know, go on, on the, you know, on the injured list and all that stuff. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I think that's a good place to wrap things up for this week uh, at Bat Podcast presented by War Media. I want to thank my hosts and Gabriel Wilkins, of course, as well as Miles Porter. Um, I want to thank everyone for watching. Once again, check out all our stuff on War Media. Slam Society is out. Uh, we're going to be in the Bears Den every week, you know, for Bears coverage and all of that with Sports Zone Chicago as well. So definitely check us out, um, as well as our Substack as well. Um, going to be a lot of people writing for you know whether it be the Bears, whether it be you know WNBA, all that stuff. So check out all that content. Like I said. Thank you for watching, and we'll see everybody next week.